0: That's great timing, huh? Just saw it coming. Uh, Hey, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Gosh, that Alec. Hey, I'm just, you know, we'll just, just between you guys and me, he just, Alec, he's not listening right now, but man, we're going to work, we're going to work on it, all right? We're going to work on it. We're going to bring back a new revitalized Alec uh, with the right things to say at the right time. So, uh, but I learned something new. You learn something new all the time. Alex on staff with us. So, great, welcome to the team, bro. Welcome to the team. Uh, Hey, we've got some people from an SOS team that went over spring break, right? Yeah, yeah, Um, you guys, man, that's what we should have played is Parliament. We should have put some Parliament on, tear the roof off the sucker, right? You guys know that song. Look that song up, find that song. But did you guys tear the roof off the sucker? Yeah? Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's, I, I don't know if anybody ha- brought the music, but that's the music you play every year at SOS, right? When you get there and you get on. I mean, it's just because it gets you going. Do you guys even know who I'm talking about? George Clinton, P-Funks? Punks? OK, yeah, we got, we got one person. Yeah, one person back there. Yeah, there you go. There, turn that up to 11. Yeah. Yeah, let's get you moving, right? Get you tearing that roof off. All right, that's good, that's good. That's what we did. You guys tear the roof off the sucker? Awesome. Um, real sharp transition from there to today we're going to be taking communion. All right? We'll take communion today. So. You know maybe I don't know, maybe you like you pull the muscle or something over spring break or God's doing something in your life even now or even as a response to the worship and to the message looking at Nehemiah six there's something that you want us to pray with you for. maybe there's something coming up. Um, the staff are going to be on the side I so just really encourage you guys to take advantage of that. We love praying for you when you write in your requests, and we want to really pray for you even in the moment, so during during communion, the staff will be on the sides, and we would love to we'd love to pray for you. Um, I don't know the the I probably have tipped off, right right now. So that's something to think about. Um, this listen listen listen, who's talking back there? Who is it? All right, listen. Hey, I'm recording the game. So Kyle, right now, don't talk about the game with me. Don't tell, I don't want to know. Listen, Jesus will be very disappointed in you if you share the score of the game with me, okay? All right? And I'm on Jesus' side, all right? I'm on his side. He's my boss, and that's, that's the truth. All right, no, he, he won't be. Um, man, you guys, give me a mic, you know? Uh, have, you ever, have, have you ever done something in your life that seemed like a good idea, but later on, it turned out to be a really bad idea. You ever done that? Uh, Alec just did this right up here, so. <clears throat> right Because I have, I've done it. Right, The first time I tried chewing tobacco, I thought, what can go wrong? Right? What can go wrong? 25 minutes later, I was puking my brains out. Anyone else out there just like me? Oh, there are? Nice, not just me. All right, one time I went skiing. Uh, with Matt. And those of you who know Matt, you know him well, if you know him well enough, anything outside athletic for him, uh, you might want to heed this warning before he invites you to go, you know, do something. Let's play. Let's play. One time Matt said, loosely quoting, uh, let's go skiing through the trees. It's fun, right? Now, listen, listen, I'm not like, I'm not like Amy, over here, but I'm a decent athlete, right? No, she's an incredible athlete. I'm a, I just almost measure up. It was a compliment, guys. Doesn't my personality just say compliment all the time? I'm not an incredible athlete like Amy over here. Is that better? But I'm decent. I'm pretty competent on the slopes. But I didn't sign up for the Olympics that day with Matt, all right? Today I didn't say today I'm going for gold in slope style. But sometimes you have to learn in your life that there are two paths in skiing. There's the path that leads to the lift and the path that leads to the cliff. (laughs) Let's ski through the trees, he said. Guess which path the trees took? Guess which path? The cliff. Yeah, guess who went first? Dummy, right here. Just so you don't think I'm exaggerating, like, oh, oh, he went over a little bump. Here's where I came out, through the trees, which earned me a spot on the podium that day. Ah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> With my head. <laughs> Whew. Do you see? Do you see that? Go to the pointer. That like right. The, that's go. Yeah, that's a human being. And go up. Go up, up, up. Cliff. <laughs> Have you ever lived your on, on on your own? Have you ever lived your own? On second thought, maybe this wasn't a great idea. Maybe maybe you're in that moment this week. Maybe you're like in that moment this month. Well, here's the point. Here's the point that I want you to see in in Nehemiah uh, 6. This is what I want you to see. Sometimes we're on a path that takes us to the cliff. And because you have an enemy who wants to destroy your intimacy with Jesus and turn you from the work in the world, his work in the world, you need discernment in your life to stay focused on the work before you. Because you have an enemy who wants to destroy your intimacy with Jesus and His work in the world, you need discernment. You need discernment to stay focused on the work before you. Discernment's needed so that you can accomplish what God has for you. You need discernment in your life. So, let's just take a moment as we walk. uh, We're in the book of Nehemiah. Let's look at where we've been, and so we can look at a call to discernment and where it's situated in chapter 6. So up on the screen is that little um, kind of diagram, kind of shows about the uh, that kind of the the, the idea, the big, bigger concepts and ideas in Nehemiah. Chapters one through seven, we're in chapter six, chapters one through seven are about reconstruction. The work is envisioned, right? In Nehemiah chapter one, he hears the walls broken down, so he goes and he gets all the supplies, he gets letters, he gets there and he inspects the walls. The work is planned and then the work begins. In chapter four, we saw that the work was threatened, there are, and that the threats are both external and internal, and the work was building this physical wall around Jerusalem, but the rebuilding represents also the work of what God does in our lives of rebuilding our lives, because our lives are being built and shaped, and it also represents greater still what happens in a community when those lives are built up and shaped. It, we go, and God uses us to transform a broken society. We see in Nehemiah the leadership comes from one man, comes from a man, Nehemiah. But the groundwork begins in chapter 5, 4, chapter 7 onward. As the narrative really focuses. it flips, it switches to reconstruction to revival. From rebuilding, from building this physical wall that provides security to building spiritual security for people. From work to worship and ultimately, leadership from one man to the revival of a nation of men and women. And in this way, Nehemiah is paradigmatic of what is needed today in our own lives in the church so that we can bring this to the world. In chapter 5, we saw, this is several weeks ago now, almost like a month ago, chapter 5, we saw the benevolent leadership of Nehemiah who was confronting sin and evil from within their own, his own community, where some of the Israelites were exacting unusually high interest from people, which caused these people to have to go and sell their kids into slavery in order for them to pay the debt that is owed, and which consequently caused them to lose their land, um, lose everything that they had. And here in chapter 6, we're going to read that the walls were completed. The wall around Jerusalem was completed in a shocking 52 days. But before the work is completed, Nehemiah faces more opposition for the work that's before him. And I want you to see this. I want you to understand this. You you have to know this. Do not, don't think that this is not true. Please know this. When there's significant work to be done, you will always face opposition. You will always face opposition. There is an enemy who's hell-bent on destroying the work before us. And in chapter 6, we see this. I'm, I'm indebted to David Guzik for the wording here. So, these are his words. And as I was reading commentaries, I go, this is beautiful. We're going we're to see this. The snare of the enemy's friendship, the subtlety of the enemy's slander, and thirdly, the scandal of the enemy's l- religion. So that we can learn. We can learn that because there is an enemy, because you have an enemy that wants to destroy your intimacy with Jesus and His work in the world, you and I need discernment so we can stay focused on the work before us. Will you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, I know that You are speaking. (laughs) You always speak. You're speaking right now. God, give us ears to hear and to listen and to respond. Lord, help us to just just come underneath the shelter of your wings. Lord, would you help us to sit in that place, Lord? I believe that there is a word of encouragement that you have for the life and death of our souls, for the path that leads to the lift rather than taking the path to the cliff, Lord. Would we have ears to hear? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me go ahead and we're going to jump into uh, chapter six. Got to get my power glasses on. Chapter 6, beginning verse 1 says this, "'Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, "'Come, let us meet together at Hekafirim in the plain of Ono.' But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, "'I am doing a great work and cannot come down.' Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sambalot for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it's reported among the nations, and Gashem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem there is a king in Judah, and now the king will hear these reports, so come now and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him, saying, no such thing as you say have we done, have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind, for they all wanted uh, to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work, and it will not be done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. Now, when I went to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mahatabel, who was confined to his home. He said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin. And so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess, Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul, in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Let's look at the opposition that Nehemiah still faces. First, the snare of the enemy's friendship, the snare of the enemy's friendship. Verse 2, Sambalat and Geshem sent to me, saying, come, let us, let us meet together at Hecathurim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. I bet uh, when Nehemiah got this invitation to meet in the plane of Ono, oh, no, he said, oh no. Uh, that's a good dad joke, right? He said, oh no. But this really was his, a true oh no moment for him. Because what Sanballat appears to do is offer him friendship. But his intent is to do him harm. Keep him from continuing to do the work that God had sent him to do. And what was the work? It's nothing Listen, It's nothing than full and complete restoration of the city of David. The spiritual revival of a nation so that people can flourish. What was wrapped up in the appearance of friendship could have brought the, that great work to just a screeching halt. This is the moment where Admiral Akbar he just shines, right? Because it's a trap, right? Maybe, Right? Nehemiah, don't go there. It's, it's a trap. These are, these are great. It's, all, it's also, it, it's a frap. And then, and then there's more. It's a tarp, right? <laughs> but, but listen, it's a trap. Put it's a trap back up. It's a trap, right? We, we have to realize this. It's a trap. Nehemiah, if you, if you receive this friendship, it's just a trap. But Nehemiah was equipped with discernment. So, what is discernment? Discernment here is the ability to tell the difference between good and evil, the ability to know the difference between truth and error. Discernment is the ability to have God's view on a subject. Perhaps Nehemiah had read or he knew Proverbs 27, 6, which says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of the enemy. We're often deceived by things that look good on the outside. Skiing through the trees looks fun, but it can be deceiving. This is what Samuel had to learn when he was going to appoint one of Jesse's sons to be the new king. He tells Jesse to get get all of your kids, all of your sons, because God has picked one of your sons and all of them are paraded before Samuel. And one after the other, he said, surely this is the king. Look at him. Surely it's him. Surely it's him. Surely it's him. Surely it's it's him. God has made him. When there were no more sons left, he said, do you have any more kids? Yeah, I got one more. It's the kid. It's the small, puny one. He's out tending the sheep. He's of no... He <laughs> doesn't even belong in the lineup. His name was David. 1 Samuel sixteen seven says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance, or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. Is there something in your life right now? Is there something right now in your life that seems good but will eventually let you down? Here's one to take to Jesus, here's one to take to the Lord. I I watch this happen all the time, I've seen this in friends' lives, I watch it play out. 1 Timothy 6, Paul says to Timothy, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Listen, money is not the roots of all kinds of evil. The love of money is. Wealth isn't the trap. Unordered love is. Unrestrained love is. And we often suffer unnecessarily because we lack discernment. You see, the enemy wants to distract you from things that truly matter. Watch this. Like this. Give your life to this. Whether it be him or her or this or or that. Simply distracting you is a way to win. For him to win to keep you from being ineffective in having intimacy with Jesus and knowing Him and God's will for your life. In your life and my life, these requests seem good. Come, let's meet in the plain of Ono. These opportunities seem good. And, look, and hear this, hear this. They may never stop. They may never stop. Right? We, we see this. Nehemiah, he recognizes this. Verse 4, four times. They sent me this invitation four times. Four times Nehemiah had to answer them. The allure of friendship with the world and with other loves, it will never stop in your life, and you need discernment. And so if the enemy can't wear you down with so many requests, then he resorts to other tactics. He moves on. There's other tactics he can use. We move from the snare of the enemy's friendship to the subtlety of the enemy's slander. In the same way, Sanballat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it's reported among the nations, and Geshem also says that you and the Jews intend to rebel, and that's why you're rebuilding the wall, and according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you've also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah, and now the king will hear these reports. So, you don't want that to happen, do you? Come, let us take counsel. What's happening here, it's all lies and accusations. It's very subtle. The the Jews plan to rebel so that you may be their king, and you've appointed these prophets. Well, it seems ridiculous because Nehemiah has given his life in these 50-plus days to let people know, to show people that God is their king, not him. He does not intend to be king. He's not building his own kingdom. He's working on God's kingdom. He wants it to be known that God is king, not him. And this is the exact opposite of everything that he's worked so hard to do. And it's all lies about him. Everything in there is a lie. It's all accusations against him that are patently false. And you have an enemy who's accusing you all the time. Are you aware of that? Did you hear it today? When you got up and got ready and saw yourself in the mirror, Or when you struggled in that conversation or in that relationship. Or on a test or in a friendship. Why is it so hard for us to defend the lies that you believe about yourself? Why is it so hard? Do you know what else happens day and night? Do you know what happens day and night? Look look at this. Listen to Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He will not sleep. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Day and night, day and night, God is at work. All day, all night, He is your helper. All day, all night. What else happens all day, all night? Revelation 4, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings are full of eyes all around and within and, and day and night, day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord o God, o God Almighty who was and is and is to come day and night. What else happens day and night? Revelation 12, and I heard a loud, loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come for the accuser." of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God? Which one of these stands out to you? Day and night. Whose voice do you hear in your own accusations? Is it God's voice or someone else's? And there's probably something here that's painful for each of, each of us. Why? Because the accusations about, are about who we are, not about what we might have done. The accusations are all, that we have to ourselves are always about our identity, our substance, who we are. And there's something in an accusation that we believe and we struggle with it. And this morning, This is how best you can, if you are just, I don't know what that is, here's one way how you can just know what that accusation is in a sentence, and you can answer this for yourself by filling in this blank. I'm not what? What comes to your mind when you hear me, when you think about, I'm not For me it's worth it, I'm not worth it. Growing up I I really didn't believe that I mattered, I believe I wasn't worth someone's time to invest into me, I wasn't worth getting to know or being a friend or being picked on a team, I truly, truly did not believe I would ever marry, get married because I wasn't worth even having a romantic relationship with. Isn't that sad? It's just, it's so depressing. What's yours? I'm not good enough? Pretty enough? Lovable? It's not true. Who says that about you? It's not true. The good news or the gospel of Jesus that Jesus came to do is to restore you into the likeness of Jesus Christ because you were made in His image. And God does not make crap. He doesn't make junk you know that and so coming to Jesus and believing the gospel is this is both ending your rebellion against him that says i'm not worth it ending the rebellion that says i don't need you to tell me who i am and believing what god says about you and what does he say he says that you are lavishly loved your treasured possession. You're beautiful. You're redeemed. You're chosen. You're his masterpiece. You're blessed. You're strong, whole, gifted, victorious, adopted, righteous. Should I go on? Yes, because he goes on. Who are you? You are accepted. You're set free, completely forgiven. You are fully pleasing, filled with joy and peace, holy, understood, made alive, worthy, important, renewed, cleansed, saved. remember that Jesus stood in the middle of his rushed trial and Mark records that the chief priest accused him again and again and again of many things, false things, all of them lies. And Jesus said nothing. He took all those false accusations and he will take yours if you let him. You see, none of these words that I shared are effectual or actual until you turn away from unbelief, turn away from your self-righteousness, trying to get your act together, trying to make up for whatever you feel like you lack, trying to seek your worth apart from God. You have to turn from that and allow the truth of Jesus to wash over you and accept it. Take it in. How freeing would it be right now if you did not need to defend your image? How freeing would that feel? We may never be able to stop the onslaught of lies and accusations day and night, day and night, but we can know what is true and what smells like it comes from the pit of hell. But we need discernment to do that. We need discernment to know whose voice is speaking. The snare of the enemy's friendship, the subtle of the enemy's slander. We need to know what is true about us, but when that even fails, we see the scandal of the enemy's religion. Now, when I went to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mahatabel, who was confined to his home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away, and what man such as I can go into the temple and live, I will not do. I won't, I won't go in. I will not go in. If Nehemiah's life was threatened, this seems like a very reasonable request. Right? Run and hide. Hey, your life is threatened. You run and hide. I know just the place. Go to the temple. Shut the doors. Hide there. It's no big deal, right? Right? It's no big deal. Just go into the temple, no big deal. Second Chronicles 26. You're in the Bible reading plan. You're going you're to get there, right? King Uzziah, who in his pride, he went to the temp- temple to burn incense. He's confronted by the priests. You see, only priests are allowed in the sanctuary of the temple. What he did that day dishonored God. Immediately, he was a leper. He lived as a leper in a colony outside the king outside the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah needed discernment to know that only priests are allowed in the temple. See, Shemaiah was intent to stir up fear in Nehemiah to cause him to make life-threatening decisions based on, listen, 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 based on this, the opinions of other people. He's making life-threatening decisions based on the opinions of other people. Go ahead, Nehemiah. Make this big life-altering decision not based on the word of God or the counsel of God. Make it based on the fear or the opinions of other people. The fear we have of our own comparison of what we believe are other people's opinions of us. Sometimes that's what drives our decisions. People's opinions Seduce us to sin against God and they lead us into unbelief. So what Shemiah was trying to do is seduce Nehemiah to sin against God this morning, this week. Is there anything that's seducing your heart? Is there some can you just be honest with God? Be honest with yourself. Is there something that's seducing your heart? Sex, power, money, status, certain friend group? Chapter six is about this. Because you have an enemy, because you have an enemy who wants to destroy your intimacy with Jesus, And the work that he has called you to do, you need discernment to stay focused on the work that's before you. For Nehemiah, the work was the wall, the first line of security for the city. And it was finished in an astonishing 52 days. And when it was done, verse 15 says this, that the enemies knew that the work that was done, they knew that the work was done because God was in the work. He was in it. He was involved in Nehemiah's work, and he's involved in your work. And what is that work? What is it? It's growing each of us to have the likeness, to reflect the beauty and the glory of our Most High King. It's sanctification. It's being made holy. God already finds you in Christ. Totally pleasing. He loves you. He's not in love with some better future version of you. He's in love with you right now. And his work is continuing to make you like his son to reflect his image back to the world and in our community, bringing us into this deep intimacy with him and interdependency with each other. You see, the wall was rebuilt so that the city could thrive our lives are rebuilt so that this community would flourish and bless anyone who comes from out there who's thirsty. And God's work in our lives, if it's to continue, if it's to go on, if it's to happen in this church, we need to grow in our depth of discernment. We need to, see through, we need to be able to see through the trap. We need to see the trap that's going to diminish God's work in our life. We need to defend the slander and the accusations that that carry that with us. We need discernment because our heart is being seduced away from God all the time. So, how can you take a step forward in discernment this month? How do we develop, right? How do you go ahead and develop discernment? Here's the first one know God's word. Just know God's word. I'm so proud of you guys who are doing Bible in a year. If that's, if that's you, even if you're a tad bit behind, right? right? Can you just raise your hand just so I can see who's, who's engaged in the Bible in a year? Unbelievable. Man, I'm so proud of you guys. Listen, you guys, you guys, listen. You will not regret doing this. You won't look back and go, I should have played more Madden. You won't regret it. God always speaks. He's always speaking. He's spoken to us through His Son. He's given us His great and precious promises, which is union with Him. We're with Jesus. Right? We don't need to ask Him you know, to speak. He is speaking. We need to pray, Lord, that we hear His voice. Day and night, day and night, He's speaking. You get to know His voice through the Scripture, so you... So read the scriptures, get into the scriptures, know the word of God, memorize the word of God, commit whole whole chapters to memory. You won't regret it. God will bring those things up again and again and again. Secondly, secondly, discernment comes with spiritual maturity. How do you get discernment? With spiritual maturity. This is a hard one because it's like if you're immature, well, then how do I grow? (laughs) But discernment will come with spiritual maturity. If you want discernment, keep growing. In the book of Hebrews, the author, he chides the flock. Right? Because though they should be mature, they're still babies in Christ. Spiritual infants don't have discernment. I think Zach walked out um, here. But babies will stick anything in their mouths, right? Mariah, you hear babies, right? Right? They, anything, right, Chris? Yep, yep, anything. <laughs> hey, that's why we don't leave knives around where kids can get them, okay? Because we know what's going to happen. That was, a, that was a gruesome picture, wasn't it? Sorry about that. Um, that's why we don't leave candy around for them. As you sow to the Spirit, as you sow good habits, as you yield more and more of your life to King Jesus, you will grow a discerning spirit. Another way to grow in discernment, understand discernment, is ask a spiritual mentor. The scriptures talk a lot about wise counsel. If, if you don't know it's a trap, <laughs> how to grow through accusations, we're struggling with the siren call of the world seducing our hearts, then talk to someone hey, just this is my life and how I'm living it. Well, what do you think? Listen to their answer. Listen to how they will use Scripture and give you Scripture. Go to the Scriptures, underline them, talk about it, press into their wisdom. Fourth, another way you can get discernment. Discernment can be given to you as a direct gift of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 says, He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. What does this mean? It means today, right now, you can pray to God and ask Him to give you that gift. God, give me a discerning heart. You can seek Him for it. You see, the enemy tried to trap and slander and seduce Nehemiah to stop his work. And guess what? He's going to do the same thing in your life. He's going to do the same thing here. But without discernment, we're going to lose focus on the work that God has given us to do. Which is to bring our whole lives to Him as an act of worship. To participate in the new community called the church. To bring the, pull the kingdom of God down. And His rule and His reign and bring it to more and more spaces around us. You see, the cross makes it possible for us to do this because of his mercy in our lives, but we need discernment. Because without it, we just might take the trowel that leads to the cliff instead of the one that leads to the lift. We have an opportunity now to go into a time of communion. You know, I just, I wonder, you know, for you guys, what God may be speaking to you. I just, I love God's Word. Like, man, I don't know what He's doing in your life and your heart. But maybe communion can be a time for you. If you have put faith in Jesus, what you are doing is you are saying, God, I believe Your Word about me, not those accusations. That You come up and during our worship time, You can take a piece of the gluten-free bread and the juice, and you can say, Jesus, I believe that, that your body was broken for me, so I don't have to live under these accusations anymore, and your blood was poured out for me as a sign of a new covenant that you're making, a new covenant that will never, ever, ever, ever end. Hebrews 9 says that, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so we come thankful. We come thankful going that I didn't do anything to secure my future. Jesus, you did. I'm thankful for that. God, help me to walk in obedience to you. Help me to know the snare of the enemy's friendship. Help me to know and see where, where the traps are at. And so maybe this is a time for you To just pause and think about the work that God is doing in your life and come to the table with thankfulness because in Christ it's finished. Why don't you guys stand with me as I close in prayer? The way that we do communion here in Cornerstone is that if you identify as a Christ follower, Right? You know that, that you've turned away from selfishness and self-righteousness to Jesus, and we invite you to come to the table uh, whenever you want during the worship time. You, you can come. And if there's something that you would like us to be in prayer for you, the staff will be on the side, and we would love to um, just pray with you and for you. Um, let's pray. Father in heaven. Lord, you, you shout with joy over your people. God, would we have ears to hear that? Would we have eyes to see your face and to see that you are so pleased with us because you are pleased with your son, Jesus? And that we are good enough because we are loved enough by you and brought into your presence. Lord, my unending prayers, that those who are standing here with me would be present in your kingdom. When you come in the fullness of who you are to reclaim us, that every person here would be present. Would that be so, in Jesus' name, amen.